2 Timothy chapter 3, looking at verses 16 and 17. And it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And as we've read this verse in the past, we can read it as this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, is profitable for reproof, is profitable for correction, is profitable for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I want to look this morning at the topic of our need to be urgent in personal study. I want to be very clear on this. You have a most urgent need for personal study. It is very, very wonderful to be in the house of the Lord, to sit under the teaching and the preaching of his word. I don't say that as a preacher. I say that, that I know it's wonderful. I enjoy being in the house of the Lord. But you also have an urgent need to personally study, not just to make sure I'm preaching the truth, but so that you can grow. We'll be looking, um, when it's my turn to teach Sunday school throughout the rest, remainder of the year, we'll be looking at, are you growing? And we're going to look at some personal questions that you need to be asking yourselves. So church has got a reputation for most to be a stagnant place in which you hear the same thing over and over and over again. And it shouldn't be that way for the born-again believer. Sunday after Wednesday after Sunday after Wednesday, you should be growing more and more and more in love with the Lord. And if you're here and you're not saved, you should be growing more and more and more and more miserable with your current state. No lost person, no sane lost person would ever say that it's more and more comfortable sitting in the house of the Lord Sunday after Sunday. They should be more uncomfortable hearing about the end times, hearing about the devastation of sin, hearing about the penalty for sin. So each of us, saved or lost, we have an urgent need for personal study. A wise old preacher told me one time that these two verses might be, should be, the most important two verses in the Bible. If these two verses aren't true, none of it is. Is it the inspired word of God or isn't it? And if it is the inspired word of God, then it is most profitable for these things that the writer describes, that Paul describes to Timothy, for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, in righteousness. It is teaching us of righteousness. Man has no righteousness within himself not even a little bit. As God looked down to see if any understood, if any looked to him, called out to him, looked for him, desired him, he saw and found not one, the scripture says. In other places it says that our righteousness is as filthy menstrual rags. And I add the menstrual part because that's what it's referring to, and we need to understand that. It's not just dirty, oily rags. That's bad enough. I worked in a machine shop, the dirty old oil rags that had slivers of steel in it that when you went to wipe the oil off your hands, you got it stuck in your hand. That's what that is, metal, a little metal shaving. My father-in-law used to make me spin chips, if you can believe that, Steve. Had to get that oil out of there. I love my father-in-law. I hope he heard that. I like to mention that when he's around. And every baby that's ever been born, I say, Papa did that. That's your Papa. He did that to your daddy. Can you believe that? But listen, beloved, there's a profitability or in business terms, an ROI, a return on investment from the Word of God. We should be most urgent, as urgent as you would be to put money in a 401k, as urgent as you would be to look toward retirement and make sure that you're investing in it 
as the world would tell you to do. You ought to be investing in your time and studying this word because you need to know it. I need to know it. I need to preach it. Steve needs to teach it. Anyone else who stands in this pulpit needs to do the same. But you must have it written on your heart. Who will stand at the judgment seat with you to plead your case, to, to tell all of the truths of the word of God that were preached in your presence? I will answer for that as your pastor. But you will stand alone before he who is the judge. There are a couple things we want to discuss this morning, and, I, and, I, and I've written it as a lesson. It's already coming out as a sermon. It's already coming out as something I'm going to preach and yell, but I've written it as a lesson. The first thing we need to understand is the reasonable expectations for today's Christian. We have it in our flesh and in our minds that we've got a lot less time than our forefathers did, and therefore we don't have time to uh, invest in study or <gasps> reading a book. We couldn't possibly find time to do that. But do we not bank faster than we ever have? Do we not communicate faster than we ever have? If I need to answer a question, does Siri or Google not have it instantly? I don't have to go to my 1978 encyclopedia set and find the answer anymore. So if, if that is true of just about everything today, then I have more time than my forefathers did, and I need to be investing it in the Lord. The reasonable expectations for today's Christian. Modern man is so busy, does he really have time for such things as personal devotion and the study of God's word? Couldn't we obtain self-fulfillment and just be good and kind and ignore the doctrines of the Bible? After all, the preacher says that my understanding of these doctrines doesn't secure my salvation. The blood of Jesus does. Why do I need to know more? You're a servant of God. You are a workman. You should desire to know more because this is your calling now. This is your job. You who are born again, you've been enlisted. Don't you want to know how to wield the sword? You ought to want to know how to put on the armor because Satan's coming after you. Fiery darts, the writer says. Fiery darts are being hurled your way. He seeks to sift you as wheat, Jesus says to Peter. Do we not see that it doesn't really matter how much preparation you want to put into it? You are already under attack because you're his. This, these, these quotes that I've read to you, they're real. I've heard them. They've been spoken to me. And it is the lie of secular humanism. We need to be very aware of the traditions of men. Our forefathers have warned for centuries against secular humanism. They have warned for centuries that we would grow lackadaisical, comfortable in our daily lives if we are not constantly surrendering our lives to the Lord Jesus, surrendering our time, surrendering our money, surrendering our thinking, surrendering our tongue, Lord help us, to Jesus Christ. This way of thinking has been made abundantly clear in politics over the past few years. You want to know how they think, you think? Look at how they appeal to you this time of year. Are they not putting all of the most enticing things in front of you? We're going to forgive student loans. Go, go do some research. Just a few weeks ago, 880,000 Americans were no longer qualified for the Biden student loan forgiveness. He made that choice. And now private loans 
will not be eligible for student loan forgiveness. And on a Friday, they announced that the previous day was the last day you had to sign up for it. That's how our government works. We also now know that Biden begged international fuel providers to hold off on increase because an election's coming. And if that gas price goes up, it might affect your little opinions. Beloved friends, your little opinions should have already been impacted. You should already be voting based on God's principles, not based on the gas pump. You have money to put gas in the car because God provided an opportunity to earn it, not because any politician made it cheap enough for you to afford it. It would seem that draining the swamp has left us with murky shadows of philosophy, a sliding scale of an ethical grading system, and a honeydew list of reparations built from an ever-changing history of America. You ought to study more than just the Bible. You ought to actually study American history. You ought to actually understand these Civil War monuments around us and what they fought for. You ought to understand the Revolutionary War. You ought to understand what the phrase taxation without representation means. You ought to understand what some of the, the phraseologies that uh, Lincoln used in his speeches, that Martin Luther King Jr. used in his speeches. You ought to understand what some of that is because it came from the Bible most times. You ought to understand what these men actually fought for, what they died for. We ought to throw our sensibilities out the window and consider what God would have for his people to hold most precious. Matthew 10, verses 16 through 18 says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. This is Jesus speaking. This isn't some hard preacher. This is Jesus himself. And he says, Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but beware of men. Mm. I'm one of those. You're one of those. And ladies, you are too. I understand it doesn't say men and women. It's talking about all the human race. Beware of men. They're fallen. They're desperately wicked and only evil continually. For they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. And some today seem to think that if they're looser Christians, less dedicated Christians, persecution won't be as hard. If you're a Christian at all, persecution's coming. Persecution's at the door. It doesn't matter how faithful you are. You're called to be faithful so that you're stronger, so you're well-fed, so that you're ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within. But it's coming either way. If you've chosen to forsake the word of God, you will be found unarmed, but you will be found. Your sin will find you out, and so will the sinners. So will Satan himself. We need to be wise, as the Lord says here. What we face now is not new to the history, just perhaps new to us. Let us study the footsteps of our Lord and Savior. Let us study the trail of blood left by our forefathers. What we see in our politics, we may also be seeing in our homes, in our churches, in our places of work. Let us be wise and know that the flesh is always proven to be weak, though the spirit may be willing. Let us ask ourselves, and these are the questions, some of them, that we'll be asking over the next few weeks. Are we growing? Hear me now. I'm not talking about the number of members. I, this may shock you, 
But as your pastor, I don't care how many members we have. I want church members, but my flesh wants to see the place filled. But the spirit, the desire of God is to see his will fulfilled. His will might be that there's only three of us left by the end of this year. I want his will more than I want mine. I didn't accept the pastorate because I thought y'all might fill these seats. We're called to share the gospel, not add members to the church. That's his work. That's what he does with the word that we faithfully deliver. So we have to ask ourselves, are we growing personally? Do you know more about God, more about Jesus, more about the Bible than you did last year? If the answer is no, it might not be my fault. It might not be Steve's fault. Are we serving? Coming here when the doors are open is not serving. Coming here when the doors are open and leaving your distractions in the car, that's serving. Coming here when the doors are open and uh, open, I keep saying open, it's like a, a verb form, I guess, of opie. When the doors are open, coming in here and asking Brother Steve how he's doing, Sister Jen how she's doing, asking how Wanda Palmer's doing, asking how the recent prayer requests, asking how these things are going because you've been fervently praying, that's serving. Going in and recognizing the ladies have put together another fabulous meal and thanking them. Taking the time to do the dishes or uh, to ask them to stay seated while you do the work that they would typically do following a meal. That's serving them, gentlemen. Ladies taking part in the service of the meal. Taking part in serving the other members or the visitors of this church. That's serving. These are hard questions that we're going to face over the next few weeks. If the Lord were to ask in our presence, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Are we prepared to answer immediately, here am I, send me? This is what we read in Isaiah 6 earlier in the year. Isaiah 6 verse 8. And he's asking this question. Are we content to become a nation for which missionaries are now having to be sent to? Or do we have a desire to see churches planted? To see souls saved? Difficult questions indeed. But these are questions every single one of us has to answer. Let us study the word in our flesh that we might know the depths of our own depravity and see our most desperate need for holy living. The second thing is the source of increase for today's Christian. The source of increase for today's Christian. Preacher once, uh, once preached on this, and, uh, and, and this is what he said. Imagine you start your week on Sunday with an enormous breakfast at 10 a.m. You get up and stretch a bit, then sit down at 11 a.m. for a hearty lunch. You take a break, maybe nap or just some fellowship. Then you have another big meal that evening. Now you go all day Monday with no food. And then you go all day Tuesday with no food. You have one great meal midweek, but don't eat again until the following Sunday. Now imagine you do this week after week after week, year after year after year. What condition is your body going to be in? This is a clear picture of how we feed spiritually. If we don't take our Bibles home, if we don't read them regularly... You are starving yourself. You are asking yourself to go all week long on three to four messages, and that's if you're here at every service. This is the description of one faithful to come every time the doors are open. But what of one who has these fabulous, large meals and then goes home and has a, an evening snack? 
opens up the Word of God, satisfies their needs by feeding off of this wonderful well, this everlasting well. And then Monday they get up and they find themselves a little hungry. So they dive in for another snack. And midday they have another meal. In the evening they sit down with their family and, and they spread the word of God and they have another meal. And Tuesday they do the same. And Wednesday they do the same. And maybe they even add in an extra treat on Wednesday and they have some time of prayer for the Wednesday night services. And then they come in and they're fed again Wednesday night. See, this is how good God is. And it's hard to say this to Baptists, but we're leaving food on the table. We are leaving food on the table, beloved. I can see the alarm on Isaac's face. Food is left uneaten. Would we ever do that over there? Then why would we do that right here? This is your meal. This is what you are to be feeding off of. I'm lost and never been saved. Lord must not want me. Do you want him? Do you desire him? Do you read after him? Do you long to know him? I'm saved, been a church member all my life. I'm not growing anymore. You know how you grow? You eat. You eat. Physically, we have a type that spiritually is accurate. You feed to eat, and then you grow. The Lord has spread it all in front of you. You live in a time in which it is readily available around every corner. The Word of God hasn't always been available like it is to us now. Do you know your own spiritual needs? Do you recognize that you're hungry? I think that's part of it. I know it was part of it for me, not even 10 years ago. And what was... Friday, I think, it was five years since my ordination, seven years since I surrendered to preach. I know some of you want to say I'm young, but you see the gray hairs, so let's not even entertain that conversation. But understand, I recognized that I was hungry. I started feeding off the Word of God, and suddenly the Lord had work for me to do. And suddenly, to me, it wasn't suddenly to Him, I wasn't faithful before. I wasn't looking before. I wasn't desirous before. We need to eat. And this is only describing corporate worship. This worship of us being together and doing it together. That's these meals that this preacher's example was. Thrice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, the rest of the week. What do you do to fill your appetite? Here's the thing to understand. You're filling that appetite. Just as much as you're filling that time, you're filling that appetite. You're hungry for God, but feeding it friends. You're hungry for God, but you're feeding it college football or Major League Baseball's postseason. Dodgers are out. There's nothing else to watch. And that 18-inning game is finally over, too, so you don't have to worry about that anymore either. I only get to watch TV on Saturdays generally, so that's all the references I have. We need to understand that we have needs just as a married couple that would have struggles and, and, and difficulties communicating, it's because they have needs that they're called to meet for one another and they're not meeting. And your struggle with God is probably the same thing. You have needs. God's laid out the meal. God's made it possible for you to meet these needs. But you are forsaking. You are leaving food on the table. If you wouldn't be willing to meet your physical appetites in this manner in this regularity, 
Why would we not be that way over our spiritual ones? Here are some objections that I've heard to private devotion. Some of these I've said. I'm too tired. How do you tithe, beloved? How have you heard me and likely Steve teach on tithing? It's off the top. It's before you're tired. It's before you're out of money. The Lord has called for us to tithe first. He's called for us to put him first in our lives. Can you imagine standing before the judgment seat and saying, I was too tired my whole life to ever do devotion? And then when he says, was I first in your life? And he says, oh, yes, of course. Is this not like Adam? Because essentially you're saying you didn't make me with enough energy at the very beginning of everything to actually worship you. You're a liar. I'm a liar. You're not too tired. You're not putting God first. That's the problem. Why would it be any different with time than it is with tithe? I preach that our tithe is more than money, and it should be time too. You have 168 hours each week. You should be able to give the Lord 16 or 17 of those pretty easily. That's 10% for those checking my math. If you count the corporate worship time in that 10%, that leaves less than two hours a day that you should be giving the Lord. Some of us are already thinking, how could I possibly have two hours a day remaining? It's not what I'm telling you. Two hours off the top. Two hours that you made a plan to give to the Lord. And it, for some of us, needs to be first thing because we'll give it away if it isn't. For others, we just need to set an alarm on our phone. It's devotion time. It's time to study. It's time to go read the Word of God. It's time to get familiar with what the Lord has for me today. However it looks, you owe him that. This isn't a lecture from your pastor. This is the truth of God's Word. He desires to be your father. He desires to have a very personal relationship with you, and he already knows you. So it's really for you. It's for you to go after him. It's for you to get in front of him. What does a child do when they don't feel that they have enough of mommy and daddy's time? They get in front of them. Sometimes they act out. They throw a fit. Why? Because they know mom and dad will respond to that. Are you any different? Are you any different? You feel that you don't have God's time, and the next thing you know, you're sinning. And you got a lot of God's time then, being chastened. Is that the relationship he wants with you? Is the relationship that mom and dad want with their troublesome kids? To be that of them being troublesome to get attention? Of course not. Some of us could do with a little bit less Candy Crush, a little bit less binge watching, a little bit less sports, a little bit less gaming, a little bit less internet, whatever it might be. This time is God's. This 16, 17 hours a week is just the 10%. It is not the above and beyond love offering. It's just the 10%. It is your reasonable service. Some say, I don't know where to start. How about the beginning? In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, you know, God's in the very first verse. Isn't that special? How about the end? Revelation 22, verses 20 through 21. He which testifieth these things say, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. If you don't count him being the amen, Jesus is already mentioned twice in those two verses. If you consider him being the great amen, he's in it four times. 
you ought to be a little curious about who this is after reading that. You ought to be a little curious about, uh-oh, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming back as a thief in the night, and he's coming quickly. Does this not get us excited for what's in between these two verses? Genesis 1, 1, and Revelation 22, 21. All of this created by him, and he is coming again quickly. There should be some urgency to our being filled, our being aware, our being wise. That was the commandment of Jesus that we read earlier. Be wise as serpents. And you got to be wise to be harmless as doves as well. You know, it's going to be contrary to public opinion, but we are not naturally wise. We're not. Understanding the word of God does not come natural to anyone. It takes study. It takes time devoted to God and time not devoted to the world. It takes putting him first. Some would say, I'm not a teacher. How can I do private devotion in my home? How can I lead my home in devotion, some men might say. I'm not a teacher. The Holy Spirit is. Do you believe Jesus Christ? Then trust the powerful promise that he made that he would never leave thee nor forsake thee and be content with such things as ye have. Hebrews 13, 5. Well, you not, might not be a teacher like teachers you've had. You might be something very different, something very special to your wives, and ladies, something very special to your children. As they look to you to be fed, as they look to you to be led, and you feed them the Lord, and you lead them in the way that they should go, it really doesn't get much more precious than that. You have a heavy responsibility that the world is forsaken. Let the world go. You're better than that. You're more special than that. You're called to be weirdos. Don't blend in with the world. Our answer instead should be that I am not a teacher, but I will be one should the Lord have it in his will. Now, I'm going to be faithful to what God has for me, even if I don't understand how he's going to do it. I'm going to follow after him. And the last thing for us to consider are the resources for today's Christian. As I said in the first point, we have more resources, and we have a whole lot more time than our forefathers did. I, I think of... Some of the stories I've heard, and I want to say just from y'all, but I've heard stories of Milburn my whole life, it seems like. And all the things that he read and all the things that he knew, that didn't come easy. He had to sit down and read, didn't he? That didn't come easy. He probably didn't play around on the Internet as much as I do. He sat down and read the Word of God. And how did he know that God would always be there? He took a step and found the floor. He took a step and found God. How many of us are cowering at that first step, not knowing if he will be there? The word of God says he will. The word of God says that you are to confidently believe, though you cannot see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you have it or do you not? Your greatest resource is in your left hand, Clark. It's in my wife's left hand. It's laid out before me, the Word of God. And though I'm not teaching on it this morning, the King James Version. The King James Version. I remember 20 years ago, I sat down with an old preacher as a Catholic boy. 
and I was just starting to learn the truth of grace. And I asked him where to begin. Some of you have heard this story. I don't apologize. It's my story. I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it as much as I can. He said, start with the Gospel of John, then read the Acts of the Apostles. And, oh, then go over to Romans. That's a wonderful book on doctrine. Then get into Ephesians and read of predestination and election. And with each book, he would assure me it was his favorite one. Looking back, beloved, it's not the books of the Bible that he was listing. And I still have those note cards in my first Bible, my first real Bible, not that American heritage garbage, the King James Bible. And though those are precious to me, it was the fact that it meant so much to him. He didn't know me. I was dating his granddaughter. He probably didn't really have to care about me at all. He saw me once a year for a couple of years before the Lord called him home. But as he described these books to be his favorite, it became very clear he knew those books. He knew them real well. He loved those books, and I'm sure that's how Milburn talked about them too. I pray that's how I come across when I talk about these books. When I say a verse is my favorite, I hope that it comes out sincerely. It was made my favorite because I'm familiar with it, because I've taught on it, because I've preached it, because the Lord taught me from it and preached to me from it. The reasons I love Colossians 3 is because I was doing it all wrong before I got to Colossians 3 and said, do all things as unto the Lord. I was doing it all for Joe. But Colossians 3 revealed to me that I was wrong. Well, preacher, how can that be your favorite? It revealed to you you were wrong. It revealed to me I had a great need. And it revealed to me that God loved me enough to reveal it. He didn't have to tell me. He didn't have to show me. He could have left me on wandering. But he didn't. And as you begin to love the Bible more and more, tap into other great resources, such as God's called man for your local visible assembly. Here comes the excuses again, right? He's too busy. He's got a family of his own. I assure you, as your preacher, as your pastor, that I'm not fit for the calling if I'm too busy. I'm not fit for the calling if I'm too busy to sit down, too busy to answer the phone, too busy to respond to an email, too busy to, to be communicated with. Then you need to find another pastor. You need to find someone who will put you first above all the works, above all the other time-consuming things. The paper is a great work. The bookstore is a great work. Maintaining the library is a great work. But if it ever becomes bigger than the ministry, I'm not the guy. But I am called here by God, moved here by God to be your pastor. Don't let this resource go to waste. There are tons of sister churches right now that don't have pastors. If you've forgotten what that's like, call them. Call up Tulsa and ask them, is Brother David O'Neill missed? You know the answer. I am a resource. God called preachers and are foreordained for this very moment of sitting down and expounding the word of God with you. Take advantage of it, beloved. Let one of us breathe hope and excitement and love into you as this old preacher did with me. Let me sit down and talk to you about how much I love the Word of God. Let me talk to you about the, the miraculous blessings that shouldn't have been made possible that have happened in, in really just the last two years, but 
the last five years, the last seven years, the last 10 years. Let me tell you who he is in comparison to who I am, who man is. You can, of course, never fully exhaust the usefulness of these first two resources, your Bible and your pastor. But in today's day and age, we have Internet Baptist radio stations. Uh, Brother Matthew got all over me yesterday because he said I was dominating those stations. Uh, Derek must have sent him some sermons. I was on both of them at the same time. That's what they're there for. We send audio of all those sermons that, that Derek and Mandy have been converting for us. They're on these stations now so that the world can hear the truth of the gospel. But I ask you, do you listen to those stations in which two pastors of this same church are preaching regularly now? It's free. It's 24 hours a day. It's preaching around the clock every day of the week. I understand that sometimes we don't get the local stations that, that, that we pay to have our sermons preached on. This one you can get anywhere. We have Tom Bigby now. You can come over here and listen. All of us can come over here and listen on separate devices and still not wear out the fiber. That's what you have today as Christians. You have more time than our forefathers. You have more resources than our forefathers. Now there's internet preaching from our sister churches. And just about every sister church that has a pastor now has some kind of Facebook or YouTube resource for which the preaching hits the internet. And yeah, I know you're here when they're live streaming it. But I'm not one of those pastors that's going to tell you, you cannot go listen to our sister churches preach online. You absolutely can you absolutely should. If you're a slow reader like I am, okay, open up your Bible and have someone else do the reading. Use discernment. We're not always right all of the time. You should be using discernment when you're here too. But you should be fed. Commentaries. We have uh, a multitude of resources on our own website, bereabaptistchurch.org. I'm not going to shame you if you didn't know that already, but you should have known that already. We have a bookstore, and I don't think I've made anyone pay for a book that is a member of this church if they've said they needed it. We have a library that has about three times the amount of books that a bookstore does. And it's clean. And we have chairs and tables. What a blessing it would be to me and certainly, Steve, too, when we come here to work on a lesson or the paper, and we find members in the fellowship hall just reading. I can't even tell you the blessing. She's not in here. But the blessing it was for me when Janine had just been passing through the library so often that she picked up a couple books on divorce remarriage. And she had so many questions, she was crying. I don't say that to shame her. She was reading. And the Lord revealed things to her. That's what happens. Baptist papers, new and old. I'm going to say it, that all the Baptist examiners are scanned to mpbcohio.com, but I'm pretty sure we've got the bound editions of every examiner here as well. We have the bound editions of every banner here as well. Do you read the banner? Please don't answer that. Uh, it would probably devastate me as your pastor if you didn't. But did you know you get it free? Did you know that? Has, has, it, has it hit you that you are on a paramount of resources right here, free? And these missionaries that we praise, such as Brother Raul, and I love Brother Raul, he would kill to have some of these resources 
on a regular basis. And you all have access to it free any day of the week. Are you eating? Are you feeding? As mentioned, you don't have to be here to read these old papers. We have all the banners scanned in, I believe, or most of them. And Brother Tommy has all the examiners scanned in. You could literally read from your phone. I've done it. So you could hear sermons from your phone on these internet radio stations. You could read these papers on your phone from our sister church websites and our own. You could listen to audio and video sermons from Brother Curtis Pugh, Brother Nathaniel Hilly, Brother Milburn Cockrell, right from our own website. Do you know how to get there? Do you know how to be fed? Listen, beloved, it's a shame for any Baptist in 2022 to be going hungry spiritually. We have access to way too much food to say that we are hungry spiritually. And again, there's going to be some tough questions in this study. You're probably going to beg Steve to take Sunday school back and not let me have access to it again. Because we have to answer these questions. As we go into 2023 and we talk about reading our Bible all the way through. As we go into 2023 and talk about the burden of the Lord. I want to know that you know what we're talking about. I want you to know that you know what we're talking about. I've not yet preached on infralapsarianism or something crazy big that you've never heard of or haven't heard of in years. But I'm going to. And Supra. We're going to talk about some tough subjects that are all expounded by the Word of God. It'd be good for you to know it. It'd be good for you to walk out of here. Oh, the fellowship food was great. The fellowship itself was great. And spiritually, I'm starving for more. Spiritually, I can't wait to get home to hear more. 2022 Baptists don't have excuses. Our forefathers, they did. They didn't have to wait for a book to come, a paper to come. They didn't have the internet. They wanted to hear preaching. And this might sound foreign from our COVID years. They had to get dressed. They had to get in a car or get on a horse. And they had to go to the church house where God's people were assembled so that they could be fed. And I honestly go back and forth on whether we're actually doing ourselves a disservice, making it so easy. Because we do not have more people eating now than there were before. Do you want the Lord in your life? Here he is. Here he is. Listen again to our text. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, profitable for reproof, profitable for correction, profitable for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect Truly furnished, completely and perfectly furnished unto all good works. That means we wouldn't have any excuse for good works because we are perfectly provided for. And we are in this word. My prayer for you is that this study hits you in a way that if you're doing it already, you think there's a great many blessings that I've taken for granted, perhaps. Great many blessings I hadn't even recognized that the Lord has poured out on me because I've been reading his word. I pray this message hits you if you haven't been reading the word, that we need to. We need to. We've got parallel studies right now going from the Lord's ministry chronologically and going through this book from the beginning chronologically. And if you think that I'm going to be able to finish those two studies before the Lord comes, you need to read the word of God. It's not very likely. That study through the Lord's ministry is going to take us right into Acts. 
It's going to take us right into the epistles, and we're going to tie those epistles, Lord willing, in with the study of Acts. As we see Paul covering the map, we're going to cover it with him. We're going to talk about those churches. And if we get to Revelation, it will be after we've gone through the trail of blood. Yeah, I've, I've got a plan. And you know what follows Genesis? Exodus. Yeah, we're going to keep going. Because that's how we eat. That's how we eat. And we need to be fed. May the Lord see fit to bless this, encourage us to burden us with our most desperate need to eat. I'm going hungry, Baptists. We ought not even call ourselves Baptists if we're going hungry.